Welcome to the Overnight Trainer Podcast, where each week we talk about all things related to the world of learning and development, including facilitation, instructional design, sales enablement, and so much more. I'm your host, Sarah Canistra, and I'm an L&D strategist and career coach, and I'm here to take the guesswork out of becoming an L&D professional and show you how to unlock continued success in your learning and development career. I'm on a mission to quickly develop the next generation of L&D leaders who are looking to create meaningful and engaging learning experiences. So, if you're looking to transition into L&D for the first time, have found yourself accidentally in a training position, or are working up the ranks as an L&D professional already, you've come to the right place. Hey friends, welcome back to another episode of the Overnight Trainer podcast. I am super excited that you all are here and this episode is amazing. I had so much fun recording it and also learned a lot myself too. So, you know, it's so interesting. I was talking to, I forgot who I was talking to, but (laughs) I was talking about, you know, self-development and you know, I was kind of getting down on myself about not doing enough, right? I think we all kind of get into that headspace. We can get into that headspace very easily. And I was talking about how I didn't feel like I was learning. And then I had to take a step back and realize, wait a minute, <laughs> I am learning. You know, every week or every other week, I'm interviewing the most incredible people in the world of learning and development and learning. And so I had to reframe my thoughts around what learning actually is. And remember that even though I'm quote unquote working, I'm also learning while doing it. So this was one of those episodes where I learned a lot as well and had a really, really great conversation. And before we dive into it, you know, I just want to celebrate today is Monday, August 23rd, um, and I have two clients who are um, from the group coaching program who are starting their brand new roles today. Uh, the two of you know who you are. I am so excited for you. Uh, it's just been wins upon wins upon wins. The August cohort hasn't even officially started yet, and we're already seeing incredible wins happening inside that group. Um, it's just been a, a wonderful ride. I got the, the, the testimonials from the June cohort. I was reading through them this morning, and if I sound a little hoarse or a little, I, I was totally tearing up reading them. It was just awesome to, to read and to see what the experience was. And I want to read read one of them um, for you all as well. Uh, I won't read them all. They're on my, on my LinkedIn right now if you want to read a few of them. But I do want to read this one. 10 out of 10 would highly recommend Sarah's group coaching program. I was feeling completely defeated after five months of resume writing, mass applying, and interviewing with no results. Within a few short weeks of starting the program, I received a job offer. By the next week, I landed my dream job. If you want to gain a better understanding of where you belong in the L&D world, learn how to articulate your experience in a corporate setting, up your networking game, and land interviews without ever applying, then sign up today. And this client inside the program is you know, no, no, no different than anyone else who's been who's been going through it as well, and just put in that work, um, and it's just been incredible to see the growth that has come out of that program. So I still have two spots left. So I keep this super super intimate. If you go back a couple episodes, I did an entire podcast episode about what happens inside the group coaching container. Um, I keep it very intimate um, because I give a lot of one-on-one feedback inside of the group coaching program, and so I have to keep it small to make sure I can coach everyone and help everyone inside of it. So uh, I have two spots left. This is as of Monday, August 23rd, um, and I'll be closing down registrations on Wednesday. So Wednesday at midnight is the absolutely last and latest deadline uh, to apply for the group coaching program. Uh, Like I said, two spots left. I am still doing the $500 discount. So if you use code AUGUST500 at the checkout, you'll get $500 off, which is an amazing deal. Uh, And yeah, would absolutely love to have you in in the program. It's really, really exciting. And I'm 
most likely, I don't want to have any promises, but most likely won't be doing another group coaching program until 2022. Um, In doing the math, this is going to end mid-October. And so I usually give myself a week or two in between cohorts and November, December, not quite sure it's going to be the best time for people wanting to participate um, in the program. So we'll see as we get closer, but most likely I won't be running this again until probably mid to end of January or early February of 2022. So just keep that in mind. If you're on the fence, just reach out to me. You can DM me, Sarah Canistra, find me. Happy to hop on a call with you, answer any questions that you have. Um, you can DM me and ask any questions. Email me, hello at theovernighttrainer.com and ask me questions. Um, but would love to have you in the program. Two spots left. And yeah, let's get you that dream L&D job. All right, on to today's episode. I want to welcome to the show Claudine Charles. She is an L&D consultant helping organizations improve their business performance through the design and delivery of amazing learning solutions. So she has spent the last 18 years in the L&D space in the private, public, and third-party sector, and she is the founder of Blended Learning Studios. She works with clients to deliver a complete range of learning solutions from large-scale blended learning programs to strategic and operational change initiatives. Her journey is such an exciting one, and I can't wait for you to learn as much from her as I did. All right, Claudine, welcome to the Overnight Trainer Podcast. How you doing? Is it nighttime for you? What time is it there? Yeah, so it's about, yeah, it's just going on to 4.30, so... Okay. Yeah. Afternoon, afternoon then for you. Yeah, afternoon. Yeah, it's a bit overcast. It's been, it's it's weird in the UK at the moment. It's very warm, but it's just no sun. It's just, yeah, which is not very nice. It's just very cloudy, but hot. <laughs> awesome. Well, welcome. Thank you so much for, for hopping on the show. I'm so excited that you're here. You have such an incredible background, not only in learning and development, but just background in general. But you know, looking at L&D background, having management consulting background. Mm-hmm. Now you have your own company. You know, you support organizations and their people development, as well as helping other consultants grow and navigate their careers and help with their marketing and their you know, revenue streams. Like you, you've done it and you do it all. So it seems a lot when you say it like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know how you do it all, but you can tell us. So yeah. I'd love to hear about like your journey you know, what, through all of this. So where did you start off in your L&D career and how did you get to the place that you're in right now? Yeah, so I launched my career um, in learn development. So I've always worked in learn development um, to come up to the past 18 years. So I did my bachelor's degree, um, I got honors degree in um, psychology. And then I went into the world of work and I just started working in learn development, but I was hoping to move into like industrial um, and organizational psychology. So I thought, hey, let me just um, take this L&D job and I'll then move into HR. Um, But then when I actually moved into learn development, I loved it so much because I noticed that a lot of time with HR, a lot of people were worried about them because it was always they they would always say if you see HR approaching, it usually means that someone's getting fired or being disciplined. So um, and I just started um, in the L&D role. I loved it. Um, I love the fact that, you know, you could connect with people, um, but also the role that I worked in did actually bridge through to HR. And, you know, I went through that whole evolution of HR where it kind of turned into that whole business partnering. You know, I started in L&D when it was about kind of looking at people's, you know, HR professionals were, you know, very um, siloed, you know, people looking at sickness records, probation and, you know, those kind of things and disciplinaries and, you know, employee grievances but you know it's really evolved um so I started in L&D worked in my first role for six years and then I left the job with no job to go to so after working in my job for six years which was very brave considering it was my first um kind of role um in terms of my whole career directory in um moving into um you know L&D so I um left that role and I became self-employed for probably about just under a year um, and probably because I kind of made that leap but I was working with clients that I'd previously worked with in other in my previous job 
And then after that, I then started working as a management consultant and for a small niche organization. And it was really hard because it was the first time that I was really in a company where I was so client facing, working in an organization where you were in L&D and you kind of interface with managers, um, moving towards management consultancy where you're working with clients and they have specific needs. I found a you know massive transition because sometimes you know you have a disciplinary or not disciplinary, but you have a performance meeting with your manager and tell you're not performing. But it was literally every week, you know, having discussions about what the client wants, what they need, and even having very um, interesting interactions with clients because they will be very blunt. You know, if someone's paying maybe fifty thousand or more for a particular service then they don't want to waste their time. So they're going to be on you. So that was really hard. But then when I did that, I then moved in, spent that time, probably about two years in that role and then moved back into an internal role. And then it's like you go through the whole recruitment where people are like, you know, it's really difficult um, getting into um, this role and it's really challenging. And I thought, you don't know what I've just been through because, you know, I was working in that job. I was working six um, days a week a lot of the time that job and working like 12 hour days when I was working for management consultants so when I went into internal roles I found it a lot easier even working for big brands like PwC and um, I worked for a law firm called them um, which are international law firm called Cameron and McKenna at the time they got a, a big reach in the US um, and I it was not necessarily the hard, people felt it was really hard and said it was really hard, but I didn't find it hard because you had that buffer of working in a very large organisation. So then my last kind of um, internal job was at PwC and then I worked, started working uh, and became self-employed. Um, and I've been self-employed for the past five years, just working, doing a lot of the things that I did um, throughout my whole career, but working more client-facing, working as um, a consultant, working with leaders, going into different organisations and helping them with their learning solutions. So whether that's like working for Government Finance Academy, where I was helping design finance training for their finance staff, or even working, most recently I worked for a company called Ersted, which are who are based in Copenhagen um, in Denmark, and they're a renewable energies company and I was helping them to develop a blended learning program for a lot of their um, new starters. So yeah, it's been very, very, very interesting, but I love the journey. I always did want to actually become self-employed. That was always the goal. Um, it's just, uh, um, I didn't, I, it just kind of happened at that time. Um, someone, I, I became self-employed, I should say, and I do talk a lot, but I will stop, but I became self-employed because um um, when I was working for PwC, I took a break and then uh, in my career because I had an accident and then I put up my CV and there was a large gap in my CV. But because I, throughout my career, have been straddling between being self-employed and being employed, this um, recruiter contacted me and he said, oh, are you self-employed? And I just said, yeah, I am. When he told me how much I'll get paid, which was double the amount of money I was getting paid in my job. And then I just quickly kind of, set up my own limited company, um, you call it LLC in the US and, you know, did all that stuff in that time. I said, yeah, here's my, um, you know, my company number, here's um, all my tax. Uh, I just did that within a few days because, um, you know, we did that, um, did it really that um, that quickly here. And it's very easy to set up companies. I find it's more difficult in the US, but that's how I became self-employed. It's literally because someone thought I was self-employed and I just said, I didn't say I wasn't, I just kind of, went with it and been here for five years. So I love that. You're like, I'll be whatever you want me to be. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you, you want me to like, you know, do a backflip. I will learn how to do that. I, yeah. I love that. And I, you know, I think too, like what, what's so exciting and great about your journey of like, is all the different like chances that you were taking and you know, trying all of those different things to kind of find what works best for you. And I think Same, what's, yes. Yeah. Saying yes. And you and I, we had discussed, you know, talked last time just about being able to say yes. And you know, the paths aren't linear. And that's why I always, every time I have someone on the show, I always ask, you know, what's your path and no one person, no, no two people have had the same path at all. You know, like for you, you, you were trying to get into HR, (laughs) you know, you wanted to do that. And and L and D just kind of was like, all right, I guess I'll do that. And then now you're, you know, this incredible L and D expert. So it just goes to show that, you know, being open 
to whatever that next step is. And sometimes it's thinking on the fly. It just goes to Mm. show how far you can get in doing that. And you know, but I want to, you are an L and D expert and I actually want to spend a lot of time going and talking kind of about this new era of L and D, but before we get into that, a lot of people listening are transitioning into L and D, uh, or are in L and D possibly be considering leaving for a consultant life or people who are transitioning in trying to figure out, should I be a consultant? Should I go to a company full time? So I'd love for you to give us kind of an overview about like the pros and cons of L&D consulting freelance life versus getting a full-time L&D role since you've experienced both and kind of gone back and forth between the two. Yeah, so I think some of the um, advantages, I would say, and I always say this, like so many people are full-time. Um, I was actually speaking to a family member about this. I sometimes get people contact me and say, I've got a full-time job, do you want it? And I'm like, no, I'm self-employed. And I always do find that there are a lot of people who sometimes have the mindset and it's, sometimes it's actually uh, related to how they've been um, brought up. So my parent, my dad was self-employed. So I see the benefits of being a business owner. But if you kind of come from a family, say, you know, university, college, um, get into a a solid role, then I can understand that. So I have quite a few people that have said, you know, why would you want to be self-employed? Even though I say I'm earning, you know, the double the money. Sometimes I wonder if people don't believe me or it's just I think sometimes people feel, why would you put yourself in that position where there's less stability? So, you know, in terms of the advantages and disadvantages. So let's get into that. So. The advantages is, and I always say, is that you're always getting into organisations when you're self-employed, when they need you, when they have a need. So as long as you've done your marketing and, you know, you've built your connections, maybe you've got a referral, people will contact you when they have a need, when they actually need a change or in performance within their business. So the advantages of that is that sometimes when you work in L&D full time, there's peaks and troughs. Sometimes you're waiting for budget, you're wait, um, waiting for buy-in, um, and you have to do a lot of um, promoting and um, nurturing relationships just to kind of get a lot of your initiatives through the door. Whereas I think when you're self-employed, sometimes a lot of that work has already been done. So you come in and you do that work and people gravitate towards you. They want you to be successful because they're paying for your time. So they're not going to let you put your feet under the table. So I find that working um, in the self-employed space is and working as a management consultant is a lot more fast paced, is a lot more interesting. And you get more opportunities, whereas I found that when I was working full time, I actually didn't do very well in the trough. Sometimes it was okay, you have a bit of a break, but I and I don't necessarily want things to be constantly um, frantic. But I found that when I was actually in an organisation, I felt that I felt more at ease because you're actually delivering something and you're adding to the fabric of the organisation because you're actually working towards something rather than kind of just um, trying to navigate it, getting involved in the politics. So that's another thing. You don't get involved in the politics. You come in, um, people will sometimes in a lot of organisations tell you, you know, mind this person or, you know, you understand kind of the dynamics in the organisation. And when you're working as a consultant, sometimes it's important to understand the dynamics so that you don't make any like faux pas but you can you're not um, invested in it and you don't have to be part of that politics so that's another advantage Um, I think as well of course you get the a lot of time you get the higher rates so that also helps so that you can actually um, like it since I've been self-employed you know you don't sometimes when you work in an organization when you're um, trying to develop your career waiting for those opportunities you're waiting for that training unless you take the initiative you do it yourself Whereas because I've kind of earned a lot more money, when I have like a trough, then I can pay for courses. I can pay for uh, courses that I've always wanted to go on. I don't have to wait for management approval. But then I will say that the disadvantages is that you do have times when you don't have assignments. Um, There was, and that's kind of what I, early on in my career, that was something that was something that really bothered me. You know, even if I, a lot of the time in my, the roles that I work in, I could probably work full time for four months or even two months and earn enough money to make, um, to pay my bills and my mortgage for the rest of the year. Whereas um, I find that 
when you're working as a consultant, when I wasn't working, you know, you worry about, you know, when's the next assignments happening. And in the UK, we've had Brexit. And, you know, obviously now we've got the whole thing with COVID and, you know, the pandemic. So a lot of time in previous years, I would really worry about that. I think, you know, when is that um, next job happening? But one of the things that I did was really kind of invested in myself and that kind of made me more marketable so one of the things that I've loved about the pandemic is there's a lot of people um, as we've discussed who are really just focused on face-to-face in-person training and some people are now you know especially the conference style training we can't have that a lot of the time across the world so I've met people who I've worked in my in this field and they've said you know I've actually gave up working in um, learn development because I can't do that in person but because I've been able to pivot between doing in person now to doing virtual coaching doing virtual learning sessions that has been an asset and it's just been so many people said I've had to learn how to use zoom or I've had to learn how to deliver things virtually but because I've worked in organisations that already kind of had that hybrid learning, that has really helped me. But I think one of the big um, the, the disadvantages is the peaks and troughs of that life, um, having to go out and get work. But I think one of the things that I did, like I said, is I've learned how to market myself. I've now got to a point where I can get a lot of referrals um and I find it a lot easy to go and talk to people in um, their DMs and promote myself Uh, a lot of people don't like doing that and I didn't like doing that um but I find that I can do that and I don't have to admit I don't do it myself I have a VA that does that and that takes the pain out of it because she has a customer relationship she and she'll um contact maybe you know 30 people and she'll say three people have got back to you if you're doing that yourself that's soul destroying but if that person's just saying these are the people that are not contacting you and these are people that want to work with you you sometimes take away the pain from that but um, I do think that one of the things that people have to remember if you are going to be doing that yourself you don't have a VA which you don't have to is that you are only going to get maybe you might send out uh, a message to that 30 people and maybe two people get back to you but how many clients do you need you know so many people want every client to come back to you but sometimes if you're messaging people even if you're you know personalizing that message if you get everyone come back to you you just don't have the time to deal with it you just need two people that really want to work with you just to come back to you so um i think Um, that's not necessarily a negative thing as well because what I find as well is that when I'm having these meetings if they don't want to work with me it's a networking opportunity as well so yeah those are the advantages and disadvantages of being um, self-employed and you know a management consultant and kind of work an internal role but in terms of what I much prefer I do much prefer um, working for myself and I don't think I would actually go back into an internal role Um, just because I love doing it I just love um, being self-employed yeah I think it you know it's there's so I mean like you just said there's so many advantages and disadvantages to both and I think it's such a personal decision too right Mm. there's some people who just absolutely love the stability and Mm. I think that's great right of that full-time role and benefits and all of Mm. that stuff right that was so funny when I first I had told my mom, I had left my full-time role. The first mm. thing she asked me, what are you going to do about benefits? It's like when I became self-employed, the first thing that my accountant said to me is, are you thinking, I'm single. So I said, you thinking of getting married? And then as I, I thought that's such a rude question, but then <laughs> as kind of things um, transitioned, I realized he was saying that because you have the security of a second income. Because if, anything happens and I kind of realized it I just thought oh he was just being very nosy but you know (laughs) that's kind of what's helped with the other the the other business that I have but also looking at you know other things like investments some people don't necessarily want that but I think one of the things that I love about it is that I feel that I'm in control and some people don't want that control they would like the stability especially if they have family they've got kids they've got schooling and that's why I find that you always find that so many professionals in HR and L&D they wait to the point where their kids are growing up maybe they become a director and then they become self-employed a lot of people don't necessarily become self-employed earlier on in the career because they want that stability because they're kind of building their life um, 
but I took that route just because I kind of always navigated between it but I definitely agree it has to be a personal choice even on social media I have so many people that um, I interact with who are other account owners and they're like you know sack the boss become self-employed and I never say that in my post because I do think it's such a personal decision um, I remember earlier on in my career someone actually said to me hey you should leave your job because we've got loads of clients that are looking for people like you and I just thought to myself imagine if I did leave my job and they couldn't find me because I didn't match or I didn't suit a particular um, organization you know I always remember that because that person was really kind of like you just you know definitely come and work with um, and we'll find you some work and there's no guarantees you never know who knew in March 2020 that we would end up in a pandemic? Um, so, and so many people have had to pivot. So, I definitely agree with what you said. You know, even though it's really we discuss the advantages and disadvantages, it is such a personal decision, and people really do need to have, be ready. But there's so many things that people can do, and what they can put in place in order to make that transition really a lot easier. Yeah, I mean, for me personally, I was still working my full-time job while building this, right? Like, yeah, I mean, I, I, I always tell my business coach, an old version of me would have just left my job and mm. just started it, right? But uh, this this more, uh, I guess, elevated version, you know, was like, all right, this is a toxic work environment. How can mm. I set some, you know, some boundaries of my yeah. energy there while working towards moving moving yeah. forward? So I think it's, you know, it's it's so exciting to, to think about that, but it, it's a, such a, per, a personal choice. And I love how you yeah. said too, about, I I'm with you. I never go start your own thing. You know, and would never yeah. say that to anyone because it's, it can also be really scary. And if the work's yeah. not there, it's, you know, it's a lot of planning has to go into it and, and all that. I know so many people who have kind of been in full-time employment and then they use their annual leave, maybe to do a two week client assignment or even a short term assignment. And it's a good way of getting a feel for being self-employed. And even if you have like a LinkedIn profile and you start saying, hey, I'm going to start posting um, like articles, um, sharing articles on LinkedIn and posting my perspective. That's, again, elevating your brand. So there's so many little things that you can do to start thinking about how you can transition. And that could be like into a more senior post or become self-employed. So there's little things you can do to improve your personal brand. But I think... Also as well, when you start looking for self-employed assignments, you might thought to you, think to yourself, hey, you know what, I want to take on this assignment. I maybe have a conversation with a client and I realise I haven't got the skill set. So you've got your work location. You, you might go to work and they're like, oh, they're doing that course. Or I could actually pay to do that course at work but still also use it within work. So, and that again, because there's so many costs as well as a result of being self-employed, setting up a um, company. Um, so I think sometimes people can use their full-time employment as a bridge towards full-time employment. Some people may think, hey, you know what, you should just throw yourself into it. And if you don't, you're kind of being tentative. But, you know, again, it's personal choice. People can't just leave. Um, because, you know, when you first start, I was very lucky that I got my assignment and it was exceeded. But there's a lot of people, it takes a long time for them to actually get to a point where their income in their um, so in their role, um, being self-employed, actually meets or uh, even exceeds what they were gaining in their full-time employment. And that's why I always think to myself, you ne never do that. Sometimes it's like people think, hey, just do it, sink or swim. But, you know, everyone has different... Um, kind of comfort levels in terms of risk. Yeah. I always think whenever, whenever someone says sink or swim, it's like everybody has different levels of how well they can swim. Like, yeah, you know, absolutely. it's like, you're not yeah. going to throw a toddler into the pool and say, all right, sink or swim, Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know? So it's just at that different level. So I do mm. want to pivot because you had mentioned in our, kind of our last little conversation about, you know, being able to now, especially with COVID and the pandemic, make that transition into virtual learning and, mm -hmm. and create a successful business around providing that. So mm -hmm. one of the things you specialize in is that kind of modern blended learning solutions for your clients. Mm -hmm. So we had talked last time about what it means to like kind of design learning in this new era. So mm -hmm. what do people need to keep in mind when designing and delivering learning in the environment we're in today? So I think in terms of we'll treat like we'll first focus on like designing and delivering so I think in terms of designing 
So I think that a lot of learn development professionals have to really hone in on how people work and how the organization wants um, their employees to work. So, um, so many people are now navigating towards hybrid working where people are working from home and people are sometimes maybe having um, time in the office, maybe one or two days, but there's also people that are going full time um, into a virtual environment. And actually I had a family member that said they're, they're not going back to work. They're actually going to be full-time remote. So at the moment you have so many um, different individuals within the organization who work in different ways. You might have someone that's full-time remote, um, someone that's maybe doing a hybrid of both, and then someone that actually just wants to be in person in, in the workplace. So I think what, what a lot of learn development professionals have to do is actually build learning that is inclusive of all those different people. Um, and that's a challenge because it's about being inclusive, but also ensuring that people have similar experiences. And I think that's where blended learning comes in so well, because um, a lot of the time you can create that learn environment where people can, for instance, do a lot of work offline beforehand, um, and they can then go into the virtual classroom, and then there's a lot more activity-based. Um, and then they can do a lot of other things. You could do action learning, you can do coaching. So there's so many different things that you can do within that space. And there's a lot of organizations who I've worked with where they just focus on in-person. Um, and then afterwards, they maybe implemented some virtual training. I work for an organization, and I'll say it, it, it's, a big, it's confidential, um, Thompson Reuters, and their employees actually um, there was a, when they actually measured how much people preferred in-person to virtual learning, over the years, people actually started to enjoy virtual learning. And one of the reasons why is because you, people can enjoy it if it's delivered well, if it actually meets their needs. So, so many people have to go and train an organisation that they don't necessarily need to go on. So it's really about ensuring that there's a need, it's enjoyable, it's delivered in um, the right way and it's the right length. And I found as well, so many people enjoyed the fact, especially when you're working in a global organization, that you're meeting people globally. A lot of time when you're in in-person office and you're in a global organization, you only speak to people in that office. Whereas now, because we're such um, dispersed and you, global organizations have people across the world that can be in one session together, you're actually meeting so many different people, having so many different um um, learn experiences and one of the great things about working in global organizations when people from different parts of the world come together is that it actually makes the world a bit smaller and actually really helps people to really get behind the organization their values what they're trying to achieve because that is a common thread at, in your organization so I think that with a lot of um, um, organisations, I always say there's always been a bit of a debate between like digital learning and in-person learning. But I think now because of the pandemic, it's about marrying it all together. And I think that really creates more diversity in learning. And it just ensures that people are delivering learning that actually meets people's needs. So I think in terms of um, kind of what the changes are, I think that there will be a lot more work around um, kind of really working with stakeholders and working with teams to really ensure that you actually deliver and learning that's relevant, valuable, and just in time. But one of the things that a lot of MD professionals need to do is, and hopefully are doing, is just ensuring that they're using the right learning methodology because there's so many organizations that have just said, hey, we've just pivoted all our online um, in-person learning to um, the online environment. But in terms of my learning expertise, I've seen that in terms of, in order to deliver a session really well, there is a slight difference in terms of how you deliver um, virtual learning, because even this podcast, there's people that could be listening to this, you know, obviously you're not um, showing the recording, but people listen to so many things in the background and, you know, they could be cooking, they could be doing, and that's the same what's happening, virtual learning. When you're in an in-person um, event, you're there, everyone's watching you. You can't be reading a newspaper, you can't be on another page. And and that's why it's really important that people have and um, learn um, practitioners use really developed learn development methods because that's what's happening a lot of the time people 
are not necessarily concentrating on the learning, they're doing other things. And that's why you need really good design skills to keep people engaged, to keep people active and keep people moving so that they're actually participating. Um, there's so many virtual courses where people don't actually participate, they listen. Um, so that's really key. I love that. Do you ever see in our future a return to the, I don't know, no one can see this, but I'm air quoting, you know, back to normal. So, you know, full day trainings in person, live in person orientations and onboarding everyone in a classroom together. Do you see yeah. that returning to the way that it was before? Or do you think it's evolved forever? I think to a certain extent it's evolved forever. And one of the reasons I say that is based actually on evidence. There is um, so many videos, it, the world in 2050, the world in, and I'm sure it's moved on. But I remember when I was working as a management consultant in a small niche that I, organization I worked in, and even in PwC, they're always looking at the future. And all the management consulting companies, KPMG, EY, they've all been talking about the digital revolution. And they've been talking about it for 10 years. And people have been talking about virtual learning and blended learning. And it's almost like, okay, it's something that is nice. And maybe people say, hey, you know, it's a way of kind of creating a blend. But I feel like now we truly have to put a blend together. You know, before it was just a nice to have to do learning that mix met people's different learning needs but now it's actually a necessity because people are working and living in very different ways so and I think there's almost like to a certain extent in the UK and I'm sure just looking at the global news there's a difference there's some people that have really coped really well in the pandemic and they've it's allowed them to spend more time with their families and friends and do other things and they've now kind of changed how they are and they value their time at home where there's other people that have missed the energy and the buzz of being in the office so I think that because of that and the differences and the fact that we have a culture globally where we expect and we want people to meet their preferred needs I think that it is actually going to lead to some change I think that that's why it's so important with learn practitioners that we develop our skills and our um, skill set in terms of design because whereas before sometimes you could just design a face-to-face -face, learn the band and you know you could um, gain the reaction of learning uh, learners through how you interacted even little things I've worked in organizations people went on training just for the biscuits or just to meet people or for the breaks or to get away from work you know there's different kind of needs now for people going on training a lot of the time one of the needs will be that they really need to do it because of their job so it's not like a day off it's actually because they need to do it for their job so I think it's really important that uh, learning practitioners um, and I'm continuing I'm, I'm, I'm not just kind of speaking down I'm continuously learning myself and we'll, I'm sure we'll talk about that later on but we always really need to be upskill ourselves so that we can deliver the best services for our clients because the world is so varied and changing it's not kind of very linear and straightforward um so yeah definitely I wrote down something that you that you said um mm. and we're working and living in such different ways than, yeah. than we ever have before so I I, I want to ask from a, a leadership lens like with that in mind because I love just love the way that you put that how can both L&D and organizational leaders support this new way of working and living what what do they need to do what do we need from organizational leadership from L&D leaders to continue to make this work so I think um, especially now sometimes as in the past in pandemics or through big major changes L&D is kind of sat it's one of the things that you lose you know, some, if, if you're focused more about people and their well-being, sometimes you say, hey, we're not going to put on so many training courses. We're going to reduce the budget. But I think that learn development and training is actually such a benefit to organisations and it keeps them really connected um, in terms of it keeps the employees really connected. Um, and it also gives them drive and motivation towards that organization so I think sometimes when you're working remotely sometimes you have less opportunities to feel connected so I think L&D pays um, and training and learning plays such an important role of connecting people to the organization and their roles and I feel that with a lot of leaders their role and what they 
um, can play a part is really by partnering. And we always say partner with LMD, but I think really partnering with LMD to really understand how their people are working, what their um, needs are. Um, I think that leaders play a key role in also their own development. So as a result of this pandemic, there's so many leaders who are working in very stressful environments. They're working in instability where people don't necessarily know what's going to be happening and they're managing their employees' well-being. So I think one of the things that leaders need to do as part of themselves is also look at their well-being and their development and how they can work with um, the employees, especially employees that are working, um, who are physically um, diverse, but also geographically diverse and in who have different needs and preferences. So I think it's a very much a new frontier. So I think L&D practitioners need to work with um, leaders to understand their people's needs, but also to support them because they're working in such a novel environment um, more it, and working people such different working patterns that it can actually, it's something that they need to manage um, themselves. And I think sometimes you don't necessarily always hear so much about that. You hear a lot, especially in the UK, people talking about well-being and wellness, but I don't necessarily always hear so much about leaders and what support they need in order to do that because they're managing um, employees that are going through different um, stressors but they're also having stresses themselves because they're actually in that pandemic. They feel that instability. And I think to a certain extent, moving forward, hopefully when we get to the new normal, um, you know, those feelings will dissipate. But I think one of the things that people always have is that you're working in a very different environment, uh, especially as leaders. There's so many leaders across the world who as part of their leadership, it's about managing people. So they are there, they're the shot callers, they're the ones that really help their employees to motivate them. Whereas now it's a different dynamic because you don't have that physical presence. You don't see when people are late, you don't see when they're not, not concentrating. So it's like, how do you have that leadership role? And I think I've even noticed that there's a lot of leaders who struggle with that because it's, you know, how do, I don't, what, am I a leader anymore? Because people I'm not having to call the shots I don't have that kind of physical presence of a leader so it's kind of how does how are they changing um how are they leading in that um with that mindset and a lot of time it is true leadership we're moving towards because a lot of time it's about winning the hearts and minds of people getting them behind uh, the organization and their mission and value without having to coerce them it's about actually helping them to kind of you know change their hearts and minds so they actually want to do it and people feel it's also about motivating people understanding what their needs are understanding um kind of what their personal preferences are and how that marries up with the organization and what the actual what they're actually doing in the team so I think that's the leadership um kind of skills that we've always known about but I think sometimes when you're a physical leader um physically um so, sorry like a it work it, working as a leader in person people can assume your leadership just because of your status and your position but if you're just a little square <laughs> on a zoom call a lot of the time how are you going to have that status and it's really going to be about really honing your leadership skills and actually putting them into practice all that emotional intelligence that teamwork that motivating people um and all the different skills that you would need to be uh, you know really effective leader all those different qualities I think that's great one of the things too I, that I really resonated with of you know making sure that organizational leaders and LD leaders that you're filling up your own cup right you yeah, are self-developing that you're 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 trying to cope with what's happening here as well because we can't pour from an empty cup and that's from a wellness perspective and then also i think about it in terms of you know growing in our skill set and learning and development and being an LD leader you know being like focusing on okay how can i grow in this how can i be better mm. because we do have to be forward thinking and think about what's going to happen in 2050 and and really start to think about that and from a leadership perspective it's hey okay, what can i do to, to get closer to there so i can then help my team as well so yeah. i really love love that aspect of it 
And I think as well, this whole change will, all these changes will actually help the whole learn development industry because it's so varied. And I think like years ago, we have um, an organization called the CIPD. So it's the Chartered Institute of Personal Development. So I think you have, a, I think, is it AAT? Is it ATT? Yeah. So um, I, I think you have like very um, other um, membership bodies and you would go to a lot of events and similar it's always very tentative you know digital learning coaching you see the same themes and I kiss read so many Instagram posts and even on LinkedIn where people are saying how can we move L&D forward what's the future of L&D but as always with anything change leads to change so I think that because of this pandemic people are having to work differently it would actually change the industry so I think yeah this is a great time for being a learn development professional and I think in a lot of different sectors you know because we've had to change our jobs I have to change some people it's that fills them with fear because um people have different needs in their um, roles as we discussed and some people may like the stability of how things are. Um, but I think that it's also a, an opportunity for us to develop and the industry to develop. So I think it should be seen as a positive thing. That's great. So speaking of learning, mm-hmm. what are you learning right now? Yeah, so actually last week, uh, I just um, start, um, I just started this new course. I'm doing a um, level two in e-coaching. So that's something that's a growing trend. Um, And it's not necessarily something that a lot of organizations do. So we know about face-to-face coaching and we know virtual coaching where you're on a Zoom or Skype call with your client. But one, another trend is text-based coaching. So that is um, texting through Messenger, um, using WhatsApp. And I found that um, I'm working with an organization. It's actually a trend that's actually happening. One of the reasons why is because it depends on different job roles. If you have someone who is in a leadership role, but they're on the shop floor, maybe they work in a really large store, the, I think there's a, almost like an assumption that people are always at their desk and people are not always at their desk. They can't have Zoom calls. So I find that one of the great things about text-based coaching is that you it allows more um, diversity and it's more inclusive because people have different working patterns, especially in leadership. And the people that I've been coached, they've really benefited um, from that. Another reason why it's so important is because, especially um, working in in different organizations, um, when you're actually coaching someone, when you have just face-to-face coaching, sometimes you may have a face-to-face session um, for a couple of weeks, and then you have a trough because that person's going away and they're implementing on their... um, um, they're acting on the actions that you put forward as part of that coaching session. And sometimes you come back and that person hasn't really um, <laughs> actioned any of the coaching and then you have to start again. Sometimes hopefully you have a great client that, you know, they constantly on that trajectory and they're constantly going and that's fine. But great thing about text-based coaching is that it allows you to stop having those peaks and troughs because you have maybe a, a a virtual session where you're on a Zoom call, then you may text and have actual coaching discussions via messenger, and then you have a session. So it actually keeps the energy up. So in this past week, I um, well, I did a course, which was a level one in um, probably, it's, um, what did we, we didn't even have a summer. I don't, don't even want to call it summer. In the UK, so it's probably about May time I did the level one. And now I've moved on to the level two, which is a bit more advanced in terms of how to do that. And um, yeah, it's going well. So I'm enjoying that. That's amazing. I, <laughs> I, I think there's something really to be said for kind of that, like we look at with learning, right? Different ways of, of learning. There's all these different ways of coaching. So yeah. I'm excited to learn, learn more from, learn more from you about that. And I know people are going to want to find you and connect mm-hmm. with you and to learn more about you. So where can people connect with you and, and find you to be able to learn more about Claudine and what you do? Yeah. I was just going to say one of the biggest parts that um, this company I work with is the UN. And you don't realize that when people are out in the field, they don't get coaching, but they're in such difficult conditions as we've seen what's happened in the world. So text-based coaching and that support really helps people in those, especially in those war-torn countries. But in terms of how people can get in touch with me, definitely um, on LinkedIn. So they can find me via my name, Claudine Charles. Um, So um, I post 
um, regularly. Um, over the summer, I haven't necessarily been doing that. Um, I always encourage people in terms of marketing to post regularly, um, but I've kind of gotten a bit of a flow where I'm getting a bit more referrals. So I've changed my strategy on LinkedIn, but I do regularly post. Um, people can also find me on Instagram. So my handle is Claudine C. Charles, so at Claudine C. Charles. So if anyone who is maybe um, thinking about becoming a management consultant or becoming full-time self-employed or even if they're self-employed and they want to look about uh, look into how they can build their brand increase their visibility and their reach um, online and how they can use that um, online environment to um, increase their um, perception and also um, visibility um, that's a really good um, account to follow so everyone wants to build their brand authority that's something that everyone should be doing that even if you are in full-time employment you have to think about your personal brand so many people only go on LinkedIn when they're looking for a job but it's really important that you stay in the mix because when we're all snoopers and you know those recruiters will look at your page so if you want to look at how you can increase the perception of your personal brand and your authority if you're looking for promotion it's still a good account to follow as well so people can find me on instagram if they want to look into that and also if they want to create digital products so that's another thing that so many people are looking to do it's all about that passive income so a lot of people you don't want to rely on the in-person events or events where they have to be physically present so how can you build um, digital products whether that's an ebook or publishing a book or um building a course how can you do that as a um, LD or HR or management consultant um, how can you build those products um, and keep them on your site or on your social media as what they call evergreen products that it's like you can sell those products 24 7 so I do all that on the social media channel um, on Instagram so that's Claudine C. Charles. Amazing. I'll put both, uh, I'll put your LinkedIn as well as your Instagram yeah. handle in the show notes as well. So Claudia, and thank you so much for coming on the show today. You just provided such a wealth of knowledge and I am so excited that we, we connected and that we're in each other's network. Yeah, and absolutely. I know this episode is going to resonate with a lot of people in a lot of different ways. So I think we hit, we hit a lot of, a lot of people. So thank you so much for, for the time today and for hopping on. Yeah, thank you so much. I've really enjoyed our conversation and I totally agree. I'm so pleased that we have made this connection and we're in each other's network as well. So that's really great. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. If it resonated with you in any way, please let me know by subscribing, liking, and leaving a review. I'd love to hear from you on how you're using these tools as well as what you want to hear more of. So connect with me on LinkedIn at Sarah Canistra, send me a DM or email me at hello at theovernighttrainer.com. I can't wait to hear from you. And until next week, stay learning.